This is Les Strong, and you're listening to the Full and Focus podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. My name is Jay Mack and I'm your host for this one. Well, what can we say? It's just nice to no longer be doing any maths in one's head after games anymore to see which team we can beat to the drop. However, I do add that to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games now without a win. Hmm. Another boring high-vis jacket display of football. But here's to you, Fabio Carvalho, and here's to you, our under-18 Premier League champions. The present may be dark, but the future is bright. Hopefully. And so are my guests, marginally. With me, Astato and Baldo, let's go. Fulham. Right, guys. I mean, you guys haven't done a pod since we've been relegated. And this was, a, I mean, we didn't really care about this game very much, did we? I just want to get your opening thoughts on relegation and what we learned from this game. And I'll go to you first, Senor Baldo. Well, relegation, it's. It's a weird one because we're just waiting for it to happen more more than anything. It's just I don't even want to say it's like a relief that it's over, but it just takes something out of the season. Now that we're not waiting, you know, it, it, but there's no there's no need to, as you say, do the maths of oh, if this team loses and we can win by two goals, it's all over. We don't have to really worry about anything in a sense because you know all the worrying is over. So it's just it's more to trying to work out what's going to happen next season rather than you know what's happening this season. So it's just a little bit of weight. Yeah, I, I think I can echo a lot of what Baldo says. You know, we don't have to work out those mathematics anymore. We're down, but as a result of that, we are now in this almost no man no man's land of fixtures where we have these three games left now too. And no one really cares because we're down. They mean nothing. I, you just kind of want to get over and move on to the new season. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of what comes with relegation, especially so early on with like four with three games left. And hmm. yeah, I, I guess looking at that game yesterday, I didn't really care for it. It was a struggle to watch, to be honest. Um, Indeed. And I, I'm just looking forward to the Euros and then next season, to be honest. Yeah, and at least we had a. Cup final to play, uh, to watch rather, and at least Chelsea lost that. Um, but you say, you know, you know, who cares really by this point? I mean, the lineup, no Mitro or Maja, uh, both cabs are starting. I mean, really lovely to see, you know, a full start for old Fabio there. But the formation that originally came out as a 4 2 3 1, by, by the end of it, it was a 3 4 2 1. And I think you had so many players playing in different positions, which Parker is doing so much this season. But, I mean, Ola Aina as a defensive midfielder, do you, do you think that Parker's... I don't know. Do you think he's just losing the plot a bit here, Baldo? I don't think he's losing the plot. I think he's just trying to make the best of the situation that he that he's been given, as he has, you know, in effect... You know, some would argue badly, but what he has, in effect, been doing all season long. And I think things like moving Ola Aina to defensive midfield is perhaps, you know, perhaps maybe a hint of what he wants to do next season or like trying to see what he wants to do next season. Because we've had players in the past, the one name that came to my mind when you saw put the question up when we were sort of uh, running through what we were doing for this thing was Chris Baird, because he was someone who could play multiple positions. He was a right back and then moved to left back and did play central defence and then moved to central field. Maybe it's a case of the summer's not going to be all that great for us because we know that 
there was championship spending, there's financial fair play to deal with. So we might not be able to do as much as we would hope we might want to if Angisa doesn't bring in 25 million, he only brings in 10. And if Seri is a loan rather than a and all that sort of stuff. So if he's trying to work out right, can Aina play in this position? Because we may have to tweak a few things for, ne for next season. That is my only, you know, of course, Aina's only really on loan, so maybe you'd have to make that permanent. But I think it's just in preparation for what's going to happen next season rather than sort of giving up and, oh, let's just have a free-for-all and go go completely mad. I think there is some logic in there. It may not be the greatest of logic, but I do think there is some in there. Were you happy with the loan and permanent player balance, Stato? Or would you like to have seen a bit more of a a championship preseason with maybe the likes of Hector and Rodak starting, for instance. So what were your thoughts on that, mate? So, yeah, that, that's, it's a bit of a tough one. Um, I personally don't understand what Parker was trying to do. You know, as Baldo mm. mentioned, playing Aino at defensive mid, why he's not going to be here next year? It's just a bit pointless. We're relegated, we're down. Why not bother starting a striker in Mitro or Maggio? I, I, I don't understand that. Why does Cavalero keep starting games when you probably shouldn't? It's... It's just baffling decisions that have kind of shaped our season. And then you get to the whole, well, what's the point of lone players starting? And I can understand that to an extent because, you know, what is the point that they're going to be here next year? But at the same time, we don't want to get embarrassed like with these last three games. And, you know, I have no doubts Rodek would do well in goal, but, you know, having playing players, having played for ages like Hector, Reem, Adoy, just kind of defrosting them and putting them back into the starting eleven. That just wouldn't go well for us and would lose about, like, what, 3 4 nil probably, and that would just dent confidence even further. So I guess, you know, you have to keep that consistency up, even if it is with players who aren't going to be here next year. Mm. I, I, I want to go back to you on this, Baldo, really quickly. I mean, we, we keep saying every time how the relationship with Parker and Mitrovic is, is deteriorating or deteriorated by now. And you see links in certain articles that Mitrovic is saying that if Parker stays, he doesn't stay in, 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 for the next season in the championship. But this really is sort of dead now, isn't it? By the, by the looks of things, he didn't even play Mitrovic at all today. Uh, it just, it feels like completely like that, that he is going, right? Yeah, by the sounds of it, it is... Yeah, it is. You know, dead man. We're in dead man walking territory when it comes to Mitchell. Yeah, and then you've then you're sort of trying to work out the balancing argument of right: is he not playing him because he wants to? You know, he wants to keep him fit so that we don't have to try and sell an injured player. But at the same time, sure, you'd want him to play because if he can score, you know, with you know, three games left with Southampton yesterday, mate. If he can score two or three goals, then that might add some value to a season. You, know, you can say, oh, look, you know, he's still got it even in a relegated team he still wants to put an effort in look at this great player so they it's about trying to get that balance so maybe we'll see him in the next two games but it is it is it is a weird one and it's just sad that you know Mitrovic no arguably we've had this we've had this discussion on the chat before you know has there been a Fulham player that has connected with the fans in a way that Mitrovic has ever since his low move and you no. Know, there really isn't that many that you can really think of that have, you know, that have bonded with the fans and the fans have loved him back in that way since Mitrovic. And it's sad that if he does go in the summer, which we do believe it is, that this is how it's going to end, you know, with, with him sat on the bench for the yeah. last three games of the season. It's, 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 it's tragic in a way. I see what you're saying. I mean, Stato, you're a huge fan of Mitrovic. I mean, my personal opinion is when Mitrovic has come on, 
he hasn't actually been all that good. So I think he, it's it's a balance. It's it's not it's not as black and white as sort of Mitrovic is brilliant and Parker's a menace for not utilizing him properly. But there's there's a balance there for sure. And I just want to know your thoughts on it, Stato. Yeah, it's been a really weird thing that that's happened all season. And I think he points down the chat that this has probably started back um, when we were still in the championship and when um, there were rumours that we were willing to sell Mitrovic if we didn't get promoted to free up um, financial fair plan transfer funds. Of course, Mitrovic mm-hmm. wasn't happy about that. Um, and ever since then, it kind of hasn't been the same because then he picked up the injury in the playoffs, so we didn't see much of him. Well, that's and- also, sorry to interrupt you, but that was also just before, we, this happened allegedly just before he started flirting with Leeds fans on Instagram and everyone was going, Mitrovic, what are you doing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's just a bit of harmless fun on Instagram, but, you know, you can't really do that in this day and age of your professional footballer playing for someone else. And um, it, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of just been an, an unfortunate set of circumstances that have happened in a particular order that have kind of resulted in now this kind of awful atmosphere between Parker and Mitrovic. And we don't know the full story. We don't know if they hate each other. It, you know, based on what we're seeing, it's it implies that Parker's just not a fan of him anymore, despite the fact that Mitro scored 26 goals for him last year and helped him get promoted. And it's sad descending this way. And, you know, you say, like I say, it's not black and white, but it's kind of heading that way. It's, it's kind of a uh, either a Parker in or Mitrovic in camp. Like it's, um, it's, mm. it's sad to see things like that, but that's the way it's heading, I think. Look, let's, let's go on to the goals. I mean, well, actually, let's not go on to the goals. It's it's too depressing. But let's talk about the bright spark, which is old Fabio Cavallo, who got his first Premier League start. Um, and I just want your thoughts on how he played in this game, Stato. Yeah, I thought he was one, he was one of the kind of few bright sparks in the game. I think every time he got the ball, he looked lively. He looked up. He looked to move the ball forward, um, which was really good to see. Um, you know, it remains to be seen if he can keep this up this season and next season. Uh, depending on the coaching, but that's that's another topic. But I think he looked really well. Yes. And, you know, one of the few times he managed to get a ball into the box, which hasn't happened a lot this year, he, he took his chance and he took it really, really well. And I, I think everybody at the club, fans, players, managers, hype board, they're, they're all just happy to see him just get that go. And, you know, it's a really good sign of what we could see next year in the Championship. Yeah, I thought I, I thought the the through ball from Bobby Reed was delightful as well. I thought it was a really lovely assist from him. It was just a directness that we're just not used to, and it was just lovely to see. I, I think he'll probably do quite well next season. I mean, I just like your thoughts on Fabio Cavallo's de- uh, well, not debut, but his first Premier League start quickly, Paul. Though, I mean, anyone who's listened to this podcast for a while will know that I've been screaming out for Fabio Carvalho for for a while now. You know. Just in the case of, I do think he's going to be something for us next season. And, you know, if we want to give you know, give him as many minutes as possible, just so we can see him, it's in the Premier League. So that will help his development for when he's in the Championship and so on and so forth. So the fact that he you know, managed to score yesterday was just fun. No words can't describe it in my eyes when he when he managed to score, and the fact that it was such a good goal as well, you know, making that, making that little dart and right and the finish as well. You know, you'd think maybe, you know, a young player, first Premier League start, he might be a little bit nervous in that situation, but he just smashed it in. And you know, that's the sort of, that's there's something about the confidence in that that we've, we've been missing all season. And it's something you can only really get from youngsters because they don't really have that fear about them because, you know, they're still young. They they might make mistakes, but they have plenty of time to correct them mm. and all that sort of thing. So the way 
the the way that he scored and his overall performance yesterday just gave you just that little spark that made you think, right, we might actually we might actually be onto something here. I did tweet after the game that you know he's going to be in the uh, championship team of the season. That might have been a little bit exaggerated on my part, but I do think there is there is going to be a genuinely good player in there. You can't look at you know when you look at what he's been doing for the under twenty for the under twenty threes. You look at the numbers he's been getting. You can't look at that and not say right. There's some. There's clearly something there about him, and I'm just glad. I just hope that he's going to get the chance to do it with us, because the one thing that's sort of been going around in my mind through all this is what if he's just another Harvey Elliott? You know, he's had these. You know, he's had this brief burst. I know there was a story that the Athletic did in him a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of months ago, that there are other teams who have shown an interest in him. Uh, you know, is this just the, is are we just playing him now so we can get an extra million or two million on his transfer fee? I really hope that's not the case because I really do think that he can be. So I really think he can be something for us next season, and I cannot wait to see him in the championship because I think he is going to flourish. Yeah, I mean, when you say another Harvey Elliott, I, I take that you mean to do with his mentality and his attitude as opposed to his talent because Harvey Elliott's been doing. Very well for Blackburn in the championship. No, no, I, I, I meant purely the situation in terms of yeah. we've seen this brief glimpse of him and, and then at the first opportunity, he's off. That's what I meant. But yeah, the same point yeah. you made about talent and attitude, yeah. Well, there are a number of things that the, the Fulham hierarchy need to do right in the next few weeks, but I think getting Carvalho a contract is definitely something that we've, we'd like to see for sure. Um, Baldo, you seem to know him quite well and I'll start to as well if he has any idea. I, I'm not very well privy to Fabio Cavalier. where what is his best position, or is he one of those like Crystal Palace in the background in on your screen right now? Is he like Eze, where he can just be anywhere, sort of in the midfield? Can he float? Um, again, so my my love affair of him basically comes basically comes from Football Manager. Um, that's where I sort of first took it. As well. <laughs> but again, when you go and watch the under twenty threes, he does seem like something he, he can play anywhere across that front three. If you're putting in a Four, two, three, one. We still don't know what formation we're going to be playing next year. We still don't know what manager we're going to get next year. But if it's a four-three-three, you can put him on either wing. If it's a four-two-three-one, you can put him anywhere across the anywhere across that front three. Forgetting the centre forward, I don't know whether or not he's. Yeah, I I wouldn't want to trust him as a lone striker just yet. He's clear. He's clearly got some finishing ability. He's got some pace. Yeah. He can get in behind. But in the championship, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to rely on him being that just yet. So. I think that's that's where you're probably going to get most most use out of him, but yeah, he's he's fantastic. I cannot I cannot speak highly enough about him. I don't I don't want to be one of these hipsters. Oh, I spotted him before anyone else did. So I'm sure there's people who've been watching the, <laughs> the under twenty three since they were under nines. Um, but but yeah, I I am really excited about what he's what he can bring to us next season. Well, it's been a, a, a good weekend for the youth squad i mean the under 18 premier league champions this is i mean an omen if ever i saw one to to you know to change how we use our academy and bring them integrate them more into our our lineups in the future and Stan, i just want to ask you a question on this is there a part of you that fears do you think scott parker is as good for talent and youth as everyone makes him out to be he started off of course as as, as the spurs under 18 coach and i'm you know, Slavica got the best out of Ryan Session through bravery. And and with Parker's caution and the, the amount of times he changes players' positions. I mean, Bobby Reed, Olaina, Cavalera. Uh, I mean, I, I'm just starting to worry. That there's this part of me that worries that, you know, that, that Parker could maybe... I don't want to be dramatic here, but sort of uh, 
just dent the progress of Cavalio by p- playing him in multiple positions. I mean, I think in this game, he was a right wing back most of the time. And I, I just like your yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good point there. I think um, the first thing I think of there is actually um, Bukayo Saka at Arsenal and how Arteta has played him all over the shop this year, which I don't think is good for you know trying to integrate young youth players. So when it comes to our side of the things, we obviously we have this hugely talented youth academy that we should try and integrate more. Um, it's it's category one or it's UEFA Elite one. It's like the top ranking one in England, basically. And we need to be utilising that a lot more. Um, and obviously there are question marks around oh, how we've got the best coach to do that. And, you know, p- people point to the, f- the first thing you say with Parker and, you- and youth is, oh, well, he got the best out of Onoma. Mm. And yeah, he fair enough. He did. He, he did well with Onoma. But then as you point out, has he improved anyone else? Does he use youth players in the right way? I mean, I think there was lots of instances last year in the championship where we could have, you know, given players like Matt O'Reilly, Jasper, uh, even Jay Stansfield, more of a chance, but we didn't because he always wanted his Parker. He's too you know, safe and he wants to always go for the safe, experienced players' options, which was boring and, you know, didn't really get the best results. And I think there's definitely a case, you know, of being braver. And, you know, Sessegnon, he was so successful because, you know, Djokovic, he gave him that platform to play, play on. But at the same time, he was within a, t- a good, solid team that, that could allow him to thrive. It's it's all well and good mm-hmm. throwing Carvalho into the team, but if there's not the kind of the players around him that can help support him and help him achieve, you know, his potential, then you know, then it's it's kind of it's not it's not good for anyone involved. And you know, I think there's there's all this hype around him coming through, he scored a go in the Prem, it's great, it's all good. But we need to be careful with how we manage him and how we manage other youth players. And that, you know, extends down to how Parker manages him and kind of the core squad of players we have and how we can integrate into that team. Yeah. And I think we need to sort of be careful with how we balance this because there's, there's a lot of parallels that could be made with the 2013, 14 season, because that's a season when we got relegated and our under 18s again, did fantastic. Cause that was the year they reached, the FA Youth, uh, the uh, the FA Youth Cup final, and they lost to Chelsea. And that team was filled with, you know, again, what looked like really promising players. Like, so, you know, I think I think Rodak was in that. I think Rodak was in that was in that side. Then you had Cameron Burgess, Liam o, um, Liam O'Donnelly, George Williams in that, Patrick Roberts, we said Dembele, mm. uh, Noe Baba, Solomon Sambu. There was really didn't. Then we got to the next season, and. Sir Felix McGath, in his infinite wisdom, tried to push a couple of them into the team, like Sir Cameron Burgess, who I I still quite liked, but was clearly not ready for was clearly not ready at that point. Moussa Dembele was probably a year too early at that point. He, we saw he flourished in the championship the next season. Um, so you've got to you've got to you've got to get the mix right. You've got to make sure that you get it with the right players that do it, rather than just. You know, and I've said this before, I think Felix McGath, he had the right idea of trying to implement the youth team because we didn't really have that much to spend on transfers and we had this decent team. But he, the implementation of it was, he just completely bought it up. Mm. But I do think there is some element of, there are some players that we really do need to start utilising. And after this point, you brought up on the chat before, and you mentioned Scott Parker is, and, and this goes back to Slavisi Kanovic, is that so many times they've been under so much pressure to either get promoted or get relegated or stay or stay away from relegation, that we haven't had time to experiment, as it were. You know, I don't know what the expectations were of the 16-17 season when Cessnion came into the side, but 
the only reason he got in was because we I don't think we were expected to get promoted that season. So, oh yeah, let's give this guy, he's Kutante, let's give him a go and let's see what happens. Then 17, 18, 18, 19, we've just been in this constant cycle. We haven't really had that many free games, as it were, which we have now, where you're seeing Fabio Carvalho play. So the likes of, again, you brought it up, like uh, Aston Villa playing that, is it Jacob Ramsey? Something along those lines. Again, they're only playing him because they've got this free time to do it. So mm. we have that problem of we can't throw in these 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 youth players in you know in a in a pressure situation because you know we're trying to fight for something. It's not the time to experiment. So I think maybe going forwards, if this if then that's probably going to be a problem for us next season because we're probably going to be expected to get promoted straight away. But who knows if things go badly at the start of the season and we're, you know, like 12th, say, come December and promotion is out of reach, then maybe the next season we'll start to see more of these players come through and give them chances. But I am slightly worried. There is, there is something to be had there, but we need to make sure that it's done at the right time and done in the right way. Otherwise, you know, that great 13-14 youth class, as I mentioned, the only one to only ones to really have any success out of it were Moussa Dembele, who's now gone to... Uh, Atletico Madrid, I think he's at now. Uh, and you can maybe argue Patrick Roberts has made a decent career in the championship. But other than that, they've all gone by the way. So I think part of that is down to mm. how they were managed. And I don't want to see that happen again with these, you know, these great youth players that we've got coming through. I think I think there's also a claim that even, even if we are battling for promotion next year, which I expect us to be, there still needs to be a change in the culture at the club to try and integrate youth a bit more. And it can just be something as basic as, well, let's say you have your basic 25, or it's a bit more than the championship, you have a basic 25-man squad. And of that, you have four centre-backs traditionally. You have your two starters and a backup one. You know, for us, it can be something like having Hector, Tosin, Congolo as three, and the fourth one being Jerome Opoku as the fourth one. And then, you know, being the fourth-choice centre-back, you don't play every game, but you do get game time, you do get managed, and you do get integrated into the team. And it's just about having that link there where at the moment it doesn't feel like there's a link there at all between, you know, this youth, this really good youth academy and this first team. There's just this this barrier that doesn't let them come in and try and break through. Yeah, I, I think another another person actually who looks very good, especially from the under-18 champions, is Ollie O'Neill. Um, he looks like a real special talent, but it's like you say, it's all about the balance of when to integrate them because obviously he's a lot younger than certain other players. But as you say, I'd love to see Jay Stansfield certainly come off the bench a bit next season. But of course, we're going to have to find a new 20-goal stri- striker next season because Mitrovic isn't going to stay and it's very likely we're going to stay under Scott Parker, unfortunately, in my eye. Um, just before we move on to management and rift between Parker and the Khans, I'd like to quickly ask you... I'll go back to you with this letter. Um, Joe Bryan, I think we've missed him a bit. I mean, defensively, maybe he's always found a bit wanting, but I felt like things started to happen a little bit more when he came on, in spite of, obviously, the, the Bobby Reed assist for uh, Cavalier's goal. Yeah, and one of Joe Bryan's biggest kind of... Um, one of his biggest attributes is that he's very good going forward. He can get, he's got a great left foot on him. He can put crosses into the box. He can even shoot outside of the box. And one thing I've always, well, one thing I've been a bit baffled by this whole season is kind of him not playing more. Obviously, we've had Robinson come in and Robinson's done okay, but I wouldn't say he's miles better than Brian. And, you know, to the extent that Brian doesn't get a look in anymore, I don't quite understand that at all. Especially when we're playing something like five at the back. Surely that suits Brian down to a T. And, you know, one of the reasons uh, why we 
just don't create many chances anymore is down to the fact that Brian's not there. Last year, how many times was there just activity down the left there, Brian putting in, of course, him being involved at least, Mitrovic getting the end of it. That went when we got up, and it's. I think it's. I think it's been a bit harsh on Brian that he hasn't played more. To be honest, mm. what are your thoughts on Joe Brian? Really quickly, Baller, before we move on. No, I, I, I mean, I'm in the same boat as Sato. I think there are comparisons to be made between between him and Robertson. You can say, yeah, you can play him in these games. You can play him, and you can't play him in these games. But it just goes back to. I remember you now one of the points we were talking about at the start of the season was you know there there wasn't a lot of faith put in the in the team that got promoted you know partly you know partly the defense who we was shipping goals left right and center but at the same time I remember I remember repeating this stat it may not be true it may not be true now but I remember towards the end of last season it was that the most assists to goals in the championship last season was Joe Bryant Mitrovic I think they got I think they got like seven at one point I don't know if someone pipped them towards the end. But it just smacks of we. There are players there, but we just don't seem to be willing to use them. Even Ola, even Olaina, who is traditionally and you know, more functionally a right back, but Scott Park would rather see him at left back rather than Joe Bryant. And I just don't see. I don't see why we've you know cast you no know, cast aside some of these players. Even during the days when things weren't working, why not at least go back to you know what. Now, not, I'm not saying bring a Dwayne Ream back to be to be the centre back partnership, but why not try Joe Bride for a run of games rather than just the one? Just go back to what used to work. You, you can't mm. it can't hurt at this point. So it's just another it's just another one of those those frustrating things that we've had all season. And it's annoying because you know the, a lot of these players they're not Premier League standard and they may not be, but we we don't know enough to see whether they are or not. And that accounts for Joe Bryan, even accounts for players like Cabano and Kamara. Dare I say it? Because they just didn't get game time. And sure, it may be because well they're not Premier League standard, they just get torn to shreds. That might be the case, and that probably is the case. But we didn't get to see that ourselves to kind of for them to prove themselves that they're not Premier League worthy. And Scott Parker, he said when we got relegated that, you know, there needs to be this culture at this club of not having lone players and having a core balance. And we had that last year and he actively chose to get rid of that in favour of these lone players. And Yes, like like I said, these lone players may have been better, but, you know, it's still, these these other players, they still deserve to have some faith put in them to try and have a few games in the Prem. Yeah, slightly... Slightly reminiscent of eighteen nineteen of just not keeping the band together, really. That sort of vibe, isn't it? Uh, anyway, uh, let's. I tell you what, let's move on. Let's talk about Man United after this music. Fulham. I take it you haven't prepared any stats for today. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, fair no, enough. That's fine. That's I fine. That's re- fine. I really can't be bothered now for this season. No, <laughs> I don't exactly blame right. you. To be honest, I've just just clarified just before we go anywhere. Right, Manchester United. I'm not going to look at the form table. I'm not going to look at our form table. I'm not going to look at the stats. Stato hasn't got any stats. We don't care. We don't care. We don't care. Um, would you like to see Jasper start for this game, Stato? Um, sure, why not? I mean, we can't have both Cavalio and Jasper starting. If anything, I'd, just, I'd rather see Cavalio start again. Um I don't know what other youth players do we have at the moment that could maybe break. There's not really anyone else at the moment that could break through, really. Um, yeah, one, one, one or two of them, one, well, either one starting, but I think both starting at United in front of Old Trafford with fans back, that would kind of just be throwing them into the cauldron of fire. And yeah, that wouldn't go well for us, I don't think. 
Yeah, I, I want to. Yeah, I want to echo those things. I'm not saying you know talking about the players. I don't want to again have a repeat. Again, this brings me back to 13-14. I remember there was a bit of a vibe for the final game of the season against Crystal Palace. I remember there was a on one of the on the, one of the forums I was reading. The point was for that final game of the season, just give that you know that FA Youth Cup final side just put the just put them all out as a reward as a reward for their hard work, given their Premier League debuts, um, because you know, they're far better than any of the cobblers than that than that team was. I don't want us to go down that road with the end of the season, even though there's nothing. So Jasper, I I think maybe play and maybe, you know, maybe give Fabio Carvalho and maybe give Carvalho the first half, Jasper the second half. At this point it is sort of you know trying to mould them towards next season. Yeah, maybe if you want to give Rodak a game for the sake of it, just so be it. If you want to if you want to go even further and go give Damian Lass a game by all means I'm not care. Just, just don't go completely overboard with it. I think I think is the message because as as Stato says, in that situation, first game back at Old Trafford, I don't know how many fans they're allowed in. I don't know yeah. what the, the numbers are for them, but that that is just feeding them to the wolves, and you you don't want you don't want to go that you don't want to go that far. I just don't. I can't believe this has happened again, lads, and I can't believe that we. We lost against, but well, I can. But we we lost against Burnley. We, we we lost against Southampton. These are games that we thought, oh, well, well we can win those. Uh, and now we're at Man United. I don't know if Scott Park is going to get another result this season. I'd like to know your thoughts on this, Stato, because I don't think I think there's a strong argument to make. I've just got this feeling that he might get sacked before we see our players play at Old Trafford. I don't. I, he'll be in charge at Old Trafford. I'm fairly sure of that, but. Beyond that is when there'll be question marks. And at the start of this year, I, I think I was fully expecting us to go down because the whole, we had six weeks to get ready. Transfers were made yeah. late. It was just the worst. It was kind of the worst season to get promoted in, but hey, we got promoted and it was good fun. What the, the, the annoying thing and the unacceptable thing is the manner in how we've got relegated and the amount of games that we should have won. And, all those close margins and you know they had so many close margins there it got to the point that it just wasn't unlucky or it wasn't a coincidence that we were losing them it was just down to the team and down to the management of it um and yeah i can't see us get another point this season you know united united are going to want to put on a show for their fans you know it's the first game back at old trafford um they should play a full strength team so we should be seeing players like bruno pogba rashford all playing against us um, and I still want to rest them for the Europa League final the week after that, but I reckon they'll do that at the weekend, um, for mm. the weekend. So, you know, I'm expecting them to get the win. And then Newcastle, I don't think even the players will care at that point. So we're going to, I'm firmly in the belief that we're going to finish in 27 points, which is one point better than 18-19. And that's, that's sure. shocking. Because 18-19 was so bad. You, you can't think you can get any worse. And sure, it's, it's one point better, but... It's one point better. That's it. That's awful. It's 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 tragic. And I think yeah, there'd be giant question marks around Scott Parker. Yeah, and I I don't think I don't think Scott Parker is you know at, at you know point of recording this it is at now four minutes to two on the Sunday afternoon. So if you listen to this, if you listen to this Monday morning and he's already gone, you know don't blame us for if anything's changed. But I I don't think Scott Parker's gonna go. But if we do. I hope that it's with next season's manager already in place. I don't want to have, you know, like Steve Wigley or Hugh Jennings or Stuart Gray or anyone um, 
taking charge of the last two games of the season just for the sake of it. If you're gonna if you're gonna get rid of Scott Parker, if you don't think he's the man for the championship next season, then again, even if it's after the Man United game and you just give him the Newcastle game, put next season's manager in charge now, give him as much time as possible. Let him see on the pitch, right, this is what Fabio Carvalho can do, this is what Sylvester Jasper can do for next season. Right, Anguissa, you're not gonna be there. I don't need to worry about you. All that sort of thing. If they're going to do it, at least do it right rather than just waiting for it for it to happen. But on the whole, I it's still up in the air. I'm you know I'm still up in the air. I can't work out whether or not Scott Parker's going to stay. You see these conflicting stories, but yeah. even if it is, I don't think I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I, you know, the run of form has been poor. Is it no winning, no winning eight, whatever the whatever the. Form well, I mean, is. what Again, manager thought, survives that? What manager yeah, survives that? Again, a manager probably without. Without the expectations that were, you know, that were put upon him, mm. or, or, or with low expectations, or with an acceptance, the relegation might be a possibility put upon him. Obviously, it's not great the way it's happened, but the fact that it's happened might give him some leeway. If you know they weren't expecting us, well, you know, they may have hoped for us to be to stay up, but expect, expectation. It's all, it's all a bit, it's all a bit confuddled. It's all a bit confused. And in all honesty, it, whatever happens at this point, I wouldn't be surprised. If he stays, I wouldn't be surprised. If he goes, I wouldn't be surprised. I just want some form of clarity. It's probably what I want more than anything going into going into the going into the summer. I don't want him to you know to walk away or to be sacked or whatever, or for Spurs to come and get him. Like a week after the end, no, no, wait for that to happen in June, because then that's a couple of weeks of the summer already gone. I just want clarity. That's all I want more than anything else. I want to know going into next season, we are this. And just give me something to at least look forward to. What are your thoughts on that, Steph? Would you, I mean, are you Parker in and Tony Khan out, or are you both of them out? I'd like to know just all of your thoughts, really, on, on this. It's, I think, to be honest, I'm. I'm, I'm bored of all this conversation. And by that, I mean, as a fan of football, I just want to watch Fulham do well and play as a good football club. I'm tired and I'm bored of all this kind of internal fighting between Tony Khan, um, how the fans are so divided on Parker and, and Tony Khan. I'm, I'm just, I agree. I'm kind of, I'm kind of over it now. I, we shouldn't have to be talking about this each and every season. I, I just want us to be a functioning football club that can play enjoyable football and we have enjoyable results and we can be fully behind the manager and there's a clear kind of club strategy in place of where we're going and what we're doing and you know we're not there at the moment and we, we feel it feels like we're further away than ever before about this and you know we're kind of forced to be talking about this because things are like things are like this at the moment and you know Tony Khan he, he he's done an okay job I think people always point fingers at him when we go down because hey he's he's the man in charge he's the owner's son and everyone's like oh he's daddy's just daddy's just giving him a football club to manage and i get that i, I get the frustration but then you look at the job he's done and that's bringing in the players and let's be honest he's brought in good players and he's made some good deals of the permanent transfers we made this year tete tosin robinson reed we got good value for those and that's a good core for the championship next se- season Obviously, there's question marks around the loans, but we kind of we were constrained by FFP. Now you can kind of go back and say, well, that's his fault for splurging a hundred million two seasons ago. Sure, that that is his fault, but he's kind of done a good job with the constraints that are in place. Um, obviously, he's not perfect, and you know 
there's, there's lots of opinions around this, but I just want to get to a place where everyone can kind of get behind the club again. And I just feel that's so far away at the moment. Yeah, I think with I think with Tony Khan and you mentioned, you know, he's made some good signings. You know, they were the way the way I looked at it, I came I came with this analogy in my head I was driving the other day, is I've made this comparison before and I've made this point before. There are some people who are, you know, good enough for the championship and not good enough for the Premier League. Like Neil Warnock is a good championship manager. I wouldn't trust him in the Premier League. David Nugent was always banded as you know great in the Championship, couldn't do a job in the couldn't do a job in the Premier League. Maybe it's the same with Tony Khan. Maybe he's okay, you know, with getting us promoted, but when it comes to staying up, he's he's just not good at it. Which is okay when it's you know when it's a player because you know David Nugent can still you know be on the bench in a Premier League team and maybe come off and score two or three goals a season. But when you're in charge of the whole thing. And it's affecting the club and everything downwards. That's when it becomes a, that's when it becomes a problem. So maybe it's just a case of right. He yeah. knows how to get us promoted, but he just he just can't keep us up. And that's where the problem. Is. And that is something you just you just can't have in a squad because that again it's something that affects the whole club and it, it sets it, it sets everything back. So you know maybe maybe put him in charge for next season in the championship. Let him assemble a premise because he has done, I will give him some credit. Yeah, he did. He has made some good, he has made some good moves. You know, again, if you want to give him credit for the promotion side of your Hanson, McDonald, Mitrovic, even though that's tech, there's some gray area about whether or not it's to be Sikanovic, so on and so forth. If you want to give him credit for that, fine. If you want to give him credit for getting promoted with signing Harrison Reed on loan, Bobby Reed, who proved useful, Josh Onimer, so on and so forth. If you want to give him credit for that, fine. But at the same point, he has to take the blame for what happened in the Premier League. So if you want to set him up for the Championship, you want to set us up for the Championship, fine, but then go away because we know that's what your limit is as a person. That's just my take on it anyway. I think, you know, the players we had assembled this year, they were good enough to stay in the Premier League. The squad overall, it was good mm-hmm. enough. We might have been a bit thin on attack, I admit that, looking at the options and loaning out Cabano and Kamara to further thin those options in favour of just getting Magirin is a bit questionable. But then how much of that was on Parker? And I think, you know, as I said, the players were good enough and I think Parker needs to take up quite a lot of the blame here for not getting the best out of some of these players and not, you know, getting results when results should have been needed. And... I think it's a bit unfair that Tony Khan is getting all of this blame when he should get some of the blame. He should get some well, of the blame. Yeah, but... I, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I've said many times they, you know, Tony Khan. He, as I said, he brought in some good players. Tete, we saw the promise of him in the early stages of the season. Tosin and Anderson, you know, were branded as Hangland and Hughes two point Great signing. You know, Lookman looked promising. No, it stays and everything. Okay, if you want it, Ariola, fantastic find. Give him credit for that, absolutely. But at the same time. Leaving us with not many people. If you want, if you want to take credit for the for the transfers, then you have to take the blame for not leaving us with at least the options up front, and for leaving things too late, and for you know going into the season to start of the scene, you know, with Riemann Adoy at centre back and everything. Again, that's why I say the blame is probably it's probably 40, 40, 20 in my mind. Forty to Khan, forty to Parker. Twenty percent probably does go to the mm. players as well because they have. Now, even with the second goal yesterday, they gave up at some point. So play, the players themselves have to take some blame. You know, it's it's an 
the 4420 isn't completely equal, but the blame is split across everyone. I even though I'm not a Tony Khan fan, I'm not going to put I'm not going to put 80% or 90% of the blame on his shoulders by no means. Look, I mean my opinion on Tony Khan is simply that he is not up to it. Uh he is not uh, he's got too many jobs on his hands. We all know this. We've said it until we're blue in the face. But the, the main issue really I've got a big problem with a lot of people on Twitter or just general film fans saying, oh, what new manager is going to want to stroll into this hellhole and work with this idiot? I mean, I think we're forgetting that Tony Khan has assembled two squads that have got promotion. Yes, by the playoffs, but still promotion. He's not that bad as everyone makes out, but he's not all that great either. Like you say, it's a balance of blame game. I think Parker's football is terrible. I think it's been terrible for two and a half years I think we need a manager who is going to with experience I I don't want to hear this we're still learning thing anymore Uh, I just I I I don't know I mean I I think what we what we need is a new manager and a, a new scouting operator which is apparently what we're looking for if we can do that then we just need a whole sort of reset this other this other argument being made at the moment is that you know we need stability I mean I don't know if that argument really sticks when you look at people like Watford. Not that I want to emulate Watford's uh, way of working with their switch around of managers every six months or like six weeks rather, but uh, you see what I mean. I, I don't really buy this, you know, we need stability thing when, I don't know, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I, I find that it's it, there's a there's a really sort of raw, bad way of thinking at the moment where it's either your Tony Khan out or your Sparker out and you can't be in between. And I think it's, it's very wise to be in between because it's that's the blame doesn't lie squarely at Tony Khan's door and it, or it doesn't lie completely at Parker's door either. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's this kind of big talk around, oh, we need we need a, a hard reset from top to bottom of everything. And I don't think it's that dramatic because we still got a good core of players, you know, signing players like Tete, Tosin, Robinson, Reed on permanence is great. We've got Rodak, we have Onoma. There's still a good kind of core set of players there, a few additions, and we'll be good to go in the championship. Um, I think, like you said, the, bo- the football that Parker plays is very boring, and I think he'll be on very thin ice if he is around next year. Um, and, yeah, it's just things aren't as bad as they seem. It just needs a bit of refining and a bit of tweaking. And I mean, whether, sure. that com- whether that comes yeah. with a few new players, but... But I mean, it's another controversial thing to say, and this isn't me loving Tony Khan. I think I think he's been a problem, but he has he has slowly learnt in a way by the sort of transfers that he made this season. I mean, Harrison Reed buying him is going to be great for next season. Everyone's worried that we're going to lose Tosin Robinson and Harrison Reed next season. I don't think we are at all. If Norwich can keep Wendia. Cantwell and Aaron's, we can certainly keep these players for another season. I think some of the business that Tony Card made was very clever for us pushing for a promotion spot next season, maybe even automatically this time. But make no mistake that the transfers were very late, and you know the January transfer for Imagia was incredibly not what we needed, and the Loftus Cheek loan was a complete waste of time. But you're also forgetting how hard it is to acquire players. To, to play for a team that is likely to go down or just promoted or is in the relegation zone in January. I mean, it's, it's, it's all, 
so it's just a bit of a mess, really. And I don't think it's completely Tony Khan's fault. And I'm 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 more Parker out than I am Tony Khan out at the moment. But I would like to see Tony Khan have a, certainly a demotion of some kind, or just someone else in to be running things in the UK a bit more. And just quickly, just for a bit of fun, just before we go, just to be a bit like hide and football manager about it, as as Baldo loves, is there a player? Just one player that you'd like for next season, if you could just pick a name out of the hat right now, Paul, though. I think I know who you're going to say, but I just want to know, confirm it with you. A player that you'd like to sign for next season's launch back into the uh, to the Premier League. Go on. Who do, okay, if you think you know who I'm going to say, who, you, who am I going to say? Go on. Harry, Shout it ta- out. Harry Wilson. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be Harry. Yeah. Um, not just because he's Welsh, but because he's shown with Cardiff. He is a fantastic player. Go look at his go look at his hat trick from next season. And one other thing, we need someone from set pieces. You know, we were all lauding about Niskin Scabano at the end of uh 2019-20 about oh his great his great free kicks and everything. What we've missed, you know, I can't remember. I think is it only two goals we've scored from corners this season or set pieces? I think there was the Matt Ritchie one at you know with the own goal at Newcastle and Anderson against Leeds. If there's a, if there's been any more shout out, I can't really remember anymore. But we need a we need a threat from set pieces again. It's going to be really want us to sign Harry Wilson. I think he can be. I think he can be one of the main men. All right, I'm going to go for uh, Nick Powell from Stoke. His contract ends this summer, I believe, and it's just a player that I've. Uh been watching since he was at Crew Alexandra. Then he got signed by Manchester United along with Wilfred Zaha at the time. And then he got, he, he's been doing very well for Stoke and plays as a, a number 10, but a sort of centre forward attacking midfielder as well. Scores a lot of goals for a, a fairly weak Stoke team. I'd love to see him in our midfield or in our front three in some sort of capacity. And, and just, again, this is just for fun for people listening. We're not, we're not actually taking the manager reins here. Uh, Stato, is there a player that you'd like to see next season if you had a a blank check for the championship. I'm struggling to think of a specific player, but what I would like to see, um, I think back to the 2016 transfer window, or I think it was 16, when we were signing players like Cabano, Aite, uh, Ibrahim Isise, and mm. there were all these kind of random players from random leads that looked exciting and it looked quite good. And, you know, to... Uh, with the exception of Cisse, Aite and Cabano are actually fairly successful. And I'd, I'd quite like to see just an influx of these kind of low expectation European signs that come in and, you know, take the championship by storm. And I have no idea who that may be, but, you know, I'd, I'd like to see kind of a few of those signings get made. Mm, a sort of Sakiri Dembele sort of thing, a, a, stat, a really good stats, uh, stats signing, basically. Yeah, but you know, not based on the stats because obviously signing players based on stats isn't the way forward. You need that kind of input from the scouting side of things. But you know, just the an exciting player from like the Belgian league who you know like a new striker to replace Mitrovic who can score fifteen twenty and mm. I'm, I'm just trying to you know I think that an example uh, Barnsley they have that um, Davil Dyke I think it's Davil um, yeah the American. Uh, he, yeah, American guy that just signed from the MLS. No one knew who he was, and he's just come along, and he's just been scoring goal after goal. And I just want an exciting new signing like that. Mm. Good manager as well, Valerian Ismail. I like him. I like. I like. I like the way he plays. Uh, he, he makes his team play football. I've got to be honest. There are a lot of managers I'd like for next season as well. If I want to be honest, I think <laughs> probably you know uh, Bruno Labbadia, Gerard Struber, all these sort of German guys that I'd like. I don't want David David Wagner if we were going to change. I don't know why I said David. I think it's David if you're German. 
who cares? I don't know. The point being is that uh, there are lots of managers that could do a good job next season. Oh, is he? Yeah, oh, he has. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Technically, I, I completely forgot I think was, about that. He's got. A, he's, I think he was can't by like that. back in the day. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right, yeah. fair play. But, but fair hey, play. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. We'll see. We'll see. Guys, thank you very much for joining me. This is um, a bit of a weird episode. That wasn't even really a Manchester United preview, was it? But it's just we're, we're going to be in a limbo for the next the next two games now. And it's not really going to be proper analysis. It's going to be more gut feelings and just talking about what our favourite takeaway is, I guess. It's going to be very strange. But thank you. Thank you very, very much for joining me. Thank you. It's been great. It's been therapeutic as always. And thank you very much for listening. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us. And Frenchie will be back with a couple of retrovades for the next episode, which will be a Manchester United review. Thank you very much. Stay safe. Fulham.